Interwomack Ministries presents this session from the 2014 Karis Bible College Campus Days. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. All right, today the very first thing I want to do is we have our first missions group. We've got five tracks in the second year and our missions track is leaving to go on their six-week uh, internship in the Dominican Republic. And this will be the last session that we have before they leave. And uh, I want to invite them to come up here, Delron and Peggy Shirley and this uh, missions track. And I want us to pray over them. This is the very first group to ever do this. And I just believe it's going to be powerful. I believe it's going to be life changing. And so... We want to pray for you guys. I tell you, if you'd stand down here, I'd like to ask all of our instructors, Dan, Penny, that you are adjunct faculty, ask you guys, all of you who are instructors and, and well, all of our CBC staff here, come up here and let's pray for these. And uh, not only the students that are going, but Delron and, or is Peggy going too? Yeah. Just Delron will be going for one week to get them oriented, but then they're going to be on their own for what, what, what is for it? Five more weeks. Five weeks. This is a baptism by fire. <laughs> and I believe it's going to be a life-changing experience. Amen. Praise God. Would somebody get a microphone in case one of our people here have a word? We will go ahead and have a microphone so that they can speak it. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just pray over all of these and we thank you for the first fruits the very first fruits of our missions track. Thank you, Jesus, for these people and thank you for what they've invested. Thank you for their commitment, their willingness to go and for six weeks just pour themselves into this. We thank you for Delron and Peggy and all of the others that have spoken into their lives and the leadership. Father, thank you for the seeds that have been sown into these lives. And Father, today, right now, we just all pray that they would get the full increase of this. We are praying that this is a life-changing experience for every one of them. That, Father, they'll never be the same. I say in the name of the Lord that this is going to be a mark. You can look back and if the Lord tarries, you can look back decades from now and this is going to be an absolute turning point in your life. From this time on, everything's going to be different. You're going to see the world differently and you're going to see yourself differently. I'm saying in the name of the Lord, one of the great things that comes out of this is that you are going to discover who you really are in Christ. You are going to learn that there's more in you than you've ever thought. You're going to be put in situations that will tax your ability and you're going to see God come through so supernaturally that it is going to be supernaturally natural the whole time. You are going to be able to do things that you'd have never done in your own self. You'll be able to minister. You will know things. You're going to operate in gifts of the Spirit. The miracles of God are going to flow. And just like the Scripture says, there are people that have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I believe that you all are going to become total junkies by the time this is over. You are going to be addicted to the ministry in such a way that you will never be able to go back. It's going to be a turning point. It's like you're walking through a portal and there's no return. 
It's going to transform your life. And Father, we pray protection over them. We pray that they are going to be healthy, that there's not going to be any problems. We pray that they are protected from anything that could go on. Thank you, Father, for financial blessing. Thank you that they and all of their things are taken care of, that their things back here are protected while they're gone. And most of all, we just thank you that they are going to be a blessing. That, Father, you are going to use them in ways that will astound them, that you will do exceeding abundantly above anything that we ask or think. And, Father, we praise you for it. Thank you, Jesus, for these awesome things. And we look forward to the great reports in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Anybody else have something that you wanted to say? I about covered it all. Man, this is going to be awesome. You guys are, are blessed. Thank you so much for doing this and giving your life for the gospel. That's great. Let's praise God for this. Amen. Hallelujah. I tell you, one of the things that's happened with CBC is that if I wasn't in full-time ministry, I'd want to do this. I've said so many times, if I wasn't already called in full, I had my plate full doing what God told me, I'd come to CBC. I'd be sitting in these classes. I would. I've learned so much through all of the people that have spoken just yesterday and a little bit that I heard today. And I mean, I am amazed. I actually went, I think it was last year or the year before, I went in and sat on one of Dwayne Sheriff's classes, pastor from Durant, Oklahoma. And I sat in on his class and I was so blessed. And I had intended to sit in another hour, but I couldn't take it. It got my brain going. It got me to thinking. And I went back and for four or five days, I just unpacked all of the things that God was speaking to me. And I thought, what do these students do with four hours of this every day? I, I tell you, it's overload. I don't know how in the world you do it. I've had some of our students uh, actually take the first year over because they heard it all, but they said, man, I need to get this again. And I, we've had people go through the first year two, two times. I tell you, it's awesome. It's like trying to get a drink from a fire hydrant. You will get a drink, but you'll probably get wet too. It's just... Uh, it's more than what you can handle. It's awesome. Thank you, Jesus, for all of the good things that he's doing. All right, let's turn back to Mark chapter four. And uh, I've already been talking about the importance of the word and how that it's just a seed. I, I like that illustration so much because a seed, if you think about it, it is powerful. It's what this whole uh, earth that God created operates off of is seed and the kingdom of God operates off of the seed of the word of God. And so we talked about that. We talked about this parable in the 26th verse. I want to go back up to the 14th verse of Mark chapter four and talk about this parable of the sower sowing the seed. Amen. And I tell you, this is a parable that has changed my life. This is one of the this is one of the you know, it's like if you're going to hang something on that wall like that mantle right there. It has to be anchored. You can't just stick it up there. Gravity will knock that thing down. It's got to be anchored to something. And this is one of the anchors that a lot of my doctrine and things that God has shown me hang on this. 
This is just a foundational thing. This is, Jamie and I had just gotten married. So that was in 1972. This could have been in 1973. I was still in the Baptist church. I was trying to share some things that were not Baptist and it was not being received real well. And uh, I was being persecuted and I would do good. You know, I was, I was I'll just, here's a little sideline for just a second. But I never mention people's names a lot because of this instance that I'm going to tell you about. But uh, when I first got started, uh, the guy who was my mentor who really changed my life, Joe Nay, while I was in Vietnam, he had become an associate of Kenneth Copeland. And when I got out of Vietnam, he told me about Kenneth Copeland. And man, everything he was telling me was radical. And he took me, the first time I'd ever been in a service outside of the Baptist church, I went to hear Kenneth Copeland preach in his home church, an Assembly of God church, and he was preaching. And I know some of you are going to think I'm lying because this is so not who I am. But I got so turned on, so fired up that I started running during the service around that church and yelling and screaming. And I made lap after lap after lap. The very first time I'd ever heard it, it transformed my life. And so I started going to these meetings that Kenneth Copeland held in the Will Rogers Auditorium and it would seat 3,500 people and there'd be 100 or 200 of us. This is, this is uh, before probably any of you ever heard of him. He was in my local area and uh, nobody knew who Kenneth Copeland was. And Kenneth Copeland would stand up and say, thank you, Father, that this place is full. And I didn't even know enough of the word to know what he was doing. I just thought he must know something that I don't know. Maybe there's buses coming or I had no clue what this guy was doing. But anyway, I would go over and I'd get so fired up. I'd go back to my Baptist church and I'd preach this. And for one or two weeks, we would see miracles. We'd see blind eyes open. We'd see people set free. And, but then I'd be criticized. You can't preach this stuff. And I, I'd submit to the criticism and things and, uh, Within a couple of weeks, I'd be saying the same things, but I'd lost my enthusiasm, my confidence in it. And I'd just suffer for the next two or three weeks until he had another meeting. And then I'd go get fired up. And this happened so often that I knew it was going to happen. I'd tell people I'll be good for a week or two and then it'll be bad. (laughs) And uh, anyway, that's when the Lord showed me this. And and what I was going to say was that this last January, I was at his conference and God just did some supernatural things and really... Uh, blessed me and prospered me. And I got to talk to Kenneth and tell him for the first time in 40 something years that he had just made a huge difference in my life. And he said, well, we've known each other for decades. And I said, Kenneth, that's the first time I've ever shook your hand or talked to you in my life. And he said, well, I've known about you. I said, well, it's the first time I've ever got to talk to you. And it was just a blessing from God that I finally got to thank this guy and say thanks. It was awesome. And we had some really powerful things happen at that conference. But anyway, it was during that time that Jamie and I were going back and forth and the Lord showed us this parable and this parable transformed my life. I'm telling you, if you could understand this, if it would impact you half as much as it impacted me, this would change your entire life. This is just a foundation. Like I said in verse 13, if you don't know this parable, you can't understand any of the parables. You've got to understand this. And so he says in verse 14 that the sower soweth the word. And a real quick 
uh, description. He just was throwing seed. He scattered it instead of planting it and he scattered it and it landed on four different types of ground and only one of the four brought forth fruit. And then there was variance even among the ground that brought forth fruit. Some was 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. The first type of ground, and of course he says in verse 14, the sower soweth the word. This isn't about physical seeds. It's using this to illustrate the kingdom of God. It's talking about how the word of God works and the soil is our heart. It's, there's four different categories of men's hearts. And I also believe, I'm not going to spend time on this, so you can take it or leave it, but I believe it's also four progressive steps of your heart. You don't come to the hundredfold just immediately. You go through these stages. And when the Lord showed me this, I was in stage number two. And I stayed there for a long, long time. But uh, I think there are four progressive steps that you go through of how the word works in your life. So the very first one in verse 15, it says, these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and catcheth away the word that was sown in their heart. If you go back to the first part of this chapter where he gave the parable, he said that you threw the seed and the first type of ground it fell on was just this hard packed ground, like the wayside, it's talking about where people have walked, the ground is so hard packed, it never penetrated the soil. It was just laying out on the uh, top of the ground and the birds came and ate all of the seed. And this is the first way that people respond to the word is that they, the, the word never penetrates. It never gets into their heart. And because of it, Satan just steals it from them. You know, I have seen this in my ministry and ministering to people I've seen this just thousands and thousands of times. Every one of us that's a minister has seen this happen, that you just preach the word and that it can't be you that's the difference because it's just one service. You're saying the exact same word and one person will be transformed. The next person will fall asleep and the next person will have their arms like this, like I hate every word you're saying. I'm not... And you know what? There's no way that this one message can affect people that way. It's not only what you say. It depends on the soil, the heart of people that you're ministering to, how the word works. There are going to be people that this weekend is going to be life-changing for you. You'll never be the same. This will be a turning point in your life. And there's some people that God will speak things to you that if the Lord tarries 50 years from now, you'll still be operating in it. And there's other people that by the time they get home, somebody says, what was it about? Uh, I don't know. What was it they were talking about? And it just was stolen from you. I'm not trying to make a negative confession. I'm just telling you that the word is powerful. There's not a problem with the word, but it depends on the heart of a person as to how they receive Sometimes people's heart is taken over with things. They've got other things going on in their life and you're sitting here in your body, but your mind is someplace else. Uh, you take offense at somebody, the way they're dressed, the way they say something. I mean, it's just petty, the things that Satan used. But nonetheless, it's not the word that's the variable. The word has the potential of changing every single person in this place. And God wants to change every single person in this place. But you know what? It depends on how you receive it. This first type of person, it says, is a person that they understood not. Um, excuse me, that's not right here. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 13 and read this verse. This is the same parable, but it's recorded in Matthew's account. And so in Matthew chapter 13... 
And in verse 18, it says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. So you have to put these two passages together to get the full understanding. This first type of person, the thing that kept the word of God from getting below the surface and, and getting to a place that it could even begin to start germinating was the fact that they didn't understand it. That's huge. That's huge. I can't tell you how important this is. And this is not the emphasis of most people. So much of ministry today is not about understanding. It's not about training, discipling. It's about excitement. They have all of the things. They'll work you into a lather and get all kinds of things going. And people will proclaim, it's God's will to heal. It's God's will to set you free. God wants to bless you. And they'll get people running the aisles. As a whole, this is where the body of Christ is. They're proclaiming things, but they aren't giving the understanding. To tell a person that it's God's will for you to be well is absolutely good. There's nothing wrong with that. But if a person doesn't understand, they will lose that. It won't change their life. And as a matter of fact, it opens them up to frustration and discouragement and all kinds of things because they aren't going to see the benefit of what they're believing. And it just becomes discouraging after a while. Very few people are really giving the understanding. They don't disciple people. I could unplug right here and spend days teaching on discipleship. But this is what God called the church to do. He said in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, what's called the Great Commission. He said, go ye therefore into all nations, into all of the world, and teaching them, what does it say? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He said that you are supposed to teach them uh, all things that I have commanded you. The, man, like I said, I don't want to go down this road because I'll never get to this parable. <laughs> but I got to say some things here because the church has been making converts. They've been going out and saying, come to Jesus and receive Jesus as your Savior and be born again so that you won't go to hell. And you know what? All of that is true. You must be born again. But... They don't teach them all things. Matter of fact, they get them born again. And then if you go to the typical church, the typical church is all evangelistic. And, uh, and once you get born again, you really don't need to go to church again because you're going to hear the salvation message over and over and over. And they use church for evangelism. Church is not meant to be evangelism. Did you know shepherds don't have sheep? Sheep have sheep. Shepherds are supposed to tend the sheep, feed the sheep, take care of the sheep. I'm saying some things that are going to be so far off the page for some of you that this is going to be a brand new wrinkle in your brain. You've never thought this before. But did you know what? You shouldn't be seeing people get born again in your church. Now I'm saying that because of the situation they do and it's not bad anywhere that you get born again, but people should be born again out at your job and in your family situations and on the street. The church is not to get people saved. The church is to build up the, the believers and then believers because they've been taught all things that Jesus said. The believers go out and do the work and the work takes place out there. 
But we've turned it around to where it's all about getting people saved. And if you're spirit-filled, then it's baptized in the Holy Spirit and stuff like this, but we aren't teaching them. And so because of it, they aren't disciples. They can't reproduce themselves. The average Christian couldn't go out and lead another person to the Lord. They couldn't get another person healed. They couldn't see things happen. And so we have to bring them into the church and all of the responsibility falls on the pastor to meet all of these needs. And that's not the way it should be. One of the things that I am really excited about and I love about Karis Bible College is we've raised up 460 something prayer ministers that have been through intense training. And these people are seeing blind eyes open, deaf ears open, they're doing it. There, you can go up to our students, they can lead a people into the, people to the Lord and into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they can minister to people and they don't have to bring them to me. Man, I love that. That's what God called us to do. He told us to teach them all things that he's commanded us. And yet the average person doesn't understand this. And so Satan just steals from them these truths. And the, the body of Christ, this is a generalization. It's not true of everybody and all churches and stuff. But as a general rule, the body of Christ is saved and stuck. They've made a commitment to the Lord. They love the Lord. They're holding on until heaven comes and they don't have a clue of how to receive from God in this life. The emphasis has basically been put on pray and ask God and beg God. And if he won't answer your prayers, then call the prayer chain. And if you can get enough people to finally uh, just pressure God, he'll have to do something. And I'll tell you, that is such a mischaracterization of God. And because of it, the body of Christ is languishing. There's perishing for a lack of knowledge. It's because of we don't have understanding that Satan steals the word. So I am really excited that God's called me to be a teacher because this is what a teacher does. A preacher proclaims, a teacher explains. And we need both. There are, you know, honestly, when you get in front of an unsaved crowd, and it's unbelievers and you need somebody to just point them to the Lord and say, man, you need salvation. I'm really not the guy. Uh, there's people that do that much, much better than I do. We need people that can proclaim and be uh, an apologetic for the Christian faith and stuff. And that's what draws people maybe and draws them in. But man, I am just thrilled that God has called me to explain how the kingdom works and teach people how to do it. And I can guarantee you, if you'll give us two or three years of your life, we can make a disciple out of you. We can teach you what the word of God says. We can have you walking in the power of God and your life never be the same. It'll absolutely work. But this is, this is the first type of person and sad to say, this is the dominant place that the body of Christ is in our modern church. They may have been born again, but the word, they don't understand it. It's not being explained to them. They may even sit there and say, oh, I believe that it's God's will to heal people today, to bless people and to do things, but they don't know how to appropriate it. And so because of it, the word is stolen from them. And sad to say, that's where a huge, huge segment of the body of Christ is. Let me just say that if the church was really functioning the way that God called it to Matthew 28, 19 and 20, teaching all things. If the church was doing its job, and this is a generalization, there are good churches. There's church pastors right here represented that are doing a good job. But I'm saying as a general rule, if the church was doing its job, did you know Karis Bible College would not exist? We're doing what the church is supposed to do. And if the church was discipling 
You can interact with your local pastor more than you can interact with any of us. As this school grows, we're getting less and less personal contact. We still do it more than most, but it's, it's just not as good as if you were in your own church. And if this was the goal of the church was to make disciples and teach you all things that Jesus taught, then there would be no need for this Bible college. This Bible college is a reaction to the failure of the body of Christ to make disciples, to make converts instead of disciples. I'm telling you, this is the ministry of the body. You know, I'm turning 65 next month, which I still think I got a lot left in me. So I'm not, I'm not looking to exit, but you know what? I'm probably closer to the exit than I am the entrance. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, one of the things that excites me is I can't meet the needs of everybody and I'm not going to be here forever, but through what we're doing right here, did you know that the gospel, the revelation that God has given me and all of these other instructors, if the Lord was to tarry, it'll go on for generations and it will grow. And I believe we have the potential to literally change the body of Christ worldwide. If I had time, I could give you some specifics and people that have gotten turned on to the teaching on grace and the true gospel. And I mean, it's spreading like wildfire. When I first went on television 10 years ago, or I guess it's now 13, 14 years ago, did you know there was nobody else that I knew that was preaching grace? I'm sure there were people preaching, but I'm not talking about a national-wide ministry. Now I could name you a bunch of them. It's awesome. God's doing some great things. And I'm telling you, this is it, what's exciting to me is about making disciples. And the whole thing hinges on you've got to understand the seed for it to get below the surface. This is like the entry point. If, it, if you can't get it past your brain, if you can't understand it, it'll never get below the surface where that seed has the power of germinating. So you've got to present things in a way that people understand. You've got to give people understanding. You know, this is one of the reasons I think that God called me to minister is because I'm a really simple person. And uh, I have people come up all the time and say, you make it so simple. That's because I'm so simple. <laughs> Amen. If it's complicated, I hadn't figured it out yet. And, and uh, what I like, I could stand people to persecute me, but I can't stand them to ignore me. If they persecute me, that means they understood what I was saying. I can handle the persecution, but what bothers me is when people just don't get it. I feel like, God, did I make it clear? You've got to make the gospel so clear. And another thing that really helped me, and this really impacted me, I used to kind of sneak up on people and try and say it, but say it in a subtle way so that they wouldn't know exactly what I was saying, but hopefully they'd get my point. And if a person started resisting, I would sometimes, you know, not share with them exactly what I felt because I didn't want to offend them or something. And the Lord spoke to me and he says, you do not have the right to reject the truth for somebody else. He says, you are supposed to put it out there and make sure they understand it. And if give them the honor and the privilege of rejecting the word on their own, but don't you reject it for them. And in a sense, that's what you're doing when you sneak up on a person and try and hide it and not be blunt with what you're saying. You're trying 
to say it in a way and you are judging them that I don't think this person will totally receive it. And so you didn't even give them the chance. You just rejected it for them. Boy, when the Lord spoke that to me, that made a difference in my life. And now I try and be just as straightforward as I possibly can. And if you don't like it, you're free to reject it. You got right to your opinion, but I'm not going to agree with you or we'd both be wrong. Amen. So I'll let you reject it, but I have to make it clear. You got to make it plain. It says, make it uh, plain. Write this so that people that read it can run with the vision. We've got to make the word simple and you've got to teach all things that the Lord has spoken, not just try and motivate people and get them all excited and stuff, but you've got to give them the understanding so that people can walk in it. And I tell you, that is in rare supply today. We, we need much, much more of that. You know, this is why we have children's ministry, youth ministry and stuff. You don't change the message. But you know, if we had a five-year-old in here, and if I'm using an example about marriage or about my business or about me turning 65 or something, do you know to a five-year-old, that's just like in another world. You don't change the message, but you might change the illustrations and you start talking about something that they're going through and you just relate it in different terms so that they can understand. That's the whole point behind children's ministry, youth ministry. You never change the message. You don't compromise on anything, but you'll use things that relate to them. When I go to another culture, I use things that relate to them. I'll talk about things that I'm seeing in their culture and I'll talk about things that they're experiencing. If you go to people that are living in grass huts in Africa, you don't sit there and talk to them about your Rolls Royce or about, you know, the building that you've built for all of this. They don't relate to it. You'll talk to something that they get. All of this is an attempt to make the word of God understandable. And I'm telling you, if you can't understand the word, then Satan just comes immediately and steals it away. And the only type of person that Satan had total access to that he could just steal the word from them without any resistance is this first type. And it's because they didn't understand. This is the first step. If you don't have understanding, you, you are not gonna have the word of God work in your life. You could have zeal, you could have passion, you could, be, you could love God, you can be sincere. All of those things and the Word of God will not work for you until you gain understanding. And I couldn't tell you how many people have come who loved God and they were successful to the degree that they understood. But all of a sudden, when they begin to understand the real gospel and the grace of God, and God's not mad at us, it transforms their life and things begin to accelerate and it works a thousand times better. And it's all because of this one point right here about they didn't understand. I'm telling you, this is critical. You must understand the Word of God. And this is why God gave it to us. This book is not sealed. The Holy Spirit will reveal this to you. The Holy Spirit wants you to know this. I tell you, praise God for the Bible. Amen. Praise God for the Word of God. Praise God for the people that died to put it in our hands. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that His job is to teach us all things and lead us into all truth and bring to our remembrance all things that Jesus has spoken unto us to give us understanding. Brothers and sisters, what I'm sharing with you is so important that some people think, well, this is just too hard. It's out of reach. And yet this is what God intends for every one of us. You aren't going to see any fruit 
until you begin to start understanding the Word of God. This is just critical. You know, in the book of Proverbs, I could quote you many scriptures, but it says, get wisdom because it's the principal thing. And with, with your getting, get understanding. Man, that is powerful. Understanding has to go hand in hand. You can't have wisdom if you don't have understanding. As a matter of fact, here's the way I look at it. Knowledge is just facts, information. But understanding is knowing what to do with those facts. It's knowing how to, what it means to you and how to do this. And then wisdom is once you get this understanding, now here's how I use it. Here's how I apply it in a daily basis. If you could just understand those little definitions right there and read the book of Proverbs and go through and talk about wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and take all of those scriptures, man, that would open up the whole book of Proverbs to you. That is really powerful. But understanding is absolutely essential. I hadn't got much time left, and so I'm going to have to just barely get into verse 16. But the second type of soil, this is where I was when God spoke this to me. And it says the second type of soil, these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And again, I believe that you could say these are four different conditions of men's heart, four different categories, but I also believe they're progressive steps. And in my personal case, this is where I was when God gave this to me. And I was telling you about going in here and Kenneth Copeland and coming back and preaching it, and, but then I'd lose it and I'd be just so low and discouraged. And then I'd go hear him and get fired up. And I saw this happen over and over and over. And Jamie and I actually on a Saturday night were praying. This is right after we got married. So we got married October 27th of 72. And so it was probably, it might've been in January of 73. And we were praying and, and it was on a Saturday night. And I knew that the next day I was gonna go to church and I'd already used up my two good weeks. I knew it was gonna be bad. I knew I was gonna say the right things, but it wouldn't produce results. And we were praying and saying, God, what's going on? Why is this happening? How come the word of God doesn't work more than two weeks? And as I was reading this, God spoke to me and he says, it's because you don't have root in yourself. You're preaching another man's revelation. You're telling them Kenneth Copeland said, and it's not your revelation. And when God spoke that to me, Jamie and I prayed and I said, in the name of Jesus, I'll never have to say, I heard this man say this, Kenneth Copeland said this. And because I, most people don't even know that Kenneth Copeland was ever a factor in my life. And it's not because I don't appreciate what I got from him. It's just that God spoke this to me. And you know what? Now I may hear somebody say something. I've heard things. I heard Barry say things yesterday. I heard so Paul say things today. I'll go and meditate on it and I'll, I'll pray about it. And then you'll hear me get up and say, God spoke to me. And somebody says, you heard Paul Milligan say that, but I didn't. I, I might've heard him mention it, but God speaks it to me. I only share things that have become my revelation now. And because of that, when I minister, it's things that I have rooted on the inside of me. And I do listen to other people and I get things from other people, but you'll never hear me preach another man's revelation. I'll take it. And, and meditate on it until it becomes mine, until God speaks it to me. And then from that time on, God told me. 
Amen. And I've had people think you're plagiarizing other people and I don't even realize it because God spoke it to me. This was a turning point in my life. And I remember Jamie and I prayed that night and I said, I'll never be the same. I said, from this time on, God's word's going to have root in me. And notice it said that this second type of person, it says they received the word with gladness. This isn't talking about people that don't want the word, people that are antagonistic towards it. You can love the word. You can be excited about it. But you're a mile wide and an inch deep. It's all surface. It's all fluff. You know, I've ministered thousands, tens of thousands of times, and I've learned over a period of time that there are some people that when they first hear the word, they just get excited like I did running around the church. And I've seen display. I saw, I remember one woman in Arizona was so excited she would bounce up and down in her chair. She'd bounce a foot off the chair. She's jumping up and down. I mean, this woman was so excited. And I've seen this many times, but you know, as a rule, this is not just a hard and fast rule, but as a general rule, people that get that excited that quick never take time to get rooted in the word. I've nearly gotten to the place that I would rather see somebody who's frowning at me and you can tell they are processing. They're thinking about this and thinking is, could this be true? Because that person is gonna let this sink down on the inside of them. And I'd rather see that kind of a response. It produces more fruit. But there are some people that it's just all outward. It's all demonstrative. They've got to do something right now. And those people typically will not take the time to let the word of God get rooted. They want instantaneous results. They're the kind that go just sky high and then they go down into the pits. Their emotion swings are all over the place. If you can't say amen, say oh me. And you know what? That's an unstable person. Some of you think, oh, but I'm always excited. Well, you know what? If you could maintain that, fine. But I'm saying most people, they, they get to these extremes and they get very excited, very emotional, but then they get just as depressed. One of the things that's happened with the Word of God, it's given me a stability in my life. And like I was telling you, you could take a picture of me and Photoshop it into any circumstance and I'm basically <laughs> going to be the same thing. We took all of our kids, my wife and my kids, my granddaughter to Disney World. And you know, you ride the roller coaster and you go through these things and something pops out at you and they always flash and take a picture. And then at the end of the ride, they want you to buy the picture. You could have taken a picture of me right now <laughs> and put it into the roller coaster, put it into this, put it into that. And we went on one ride that went from zero to 60 miles an hour in 1.9 seconds or something. And I mean, it's just whoosh. And the only thing that might've been different was my hair might've been blown or something. But... And I'm not saying everybody has to be like me, but I am saying that, you know, the word of God will make you stable. You may not be extreme in the good, but you may not be extreme in the bad. It'll just give a stability to your life if you get root in yourself. But most of the time, the people who are just so extreme are people that it, the root isn't in themselves. They're trying to work something up. And I tell you, this is just critical. It's critical that you pass this stage and you start getting the root, the root 
in yourself. When I was a little kid, my job was to go and pull up the pecan trees in our yard. We had 23 pecan trees in our yard and we had St. Augustine grass and those pecans would get down in there. And if you didn't uh, pick up the pecans, they'd eventually root and start growing other pecan trees. And uh, so I was a typical kid and I didn't want to go pull up pecan trees. I had better things to do. And so I'd let it grow until my parents could see it as they drove in or looked out the window and then they'd tell me to go do it. And by that time, you know, the pecan tree's a foot tall or something, they'd tell me. And I learned this, that if you try and pull up a pecan tree that's a foot tall, it's got three feet of roots. It's got at least three times as much root as it has growth above the ground. And I learned that if you really want to do it the simple way, you got to get them when they're little tiny because that root starts growing. The point I'm making is that roots are not what people like to see. If you plant a tree, you don't want to see the roots. You want to see the growth that's above the ground. You want to have this nice shade tree and people want this results and they want the fruit. But I'm telling you that the root determines the fruit. You can determine how productive you will be in your life by how much time you spend letting the Word of God take root in your life. And the average person is impatient. They want instant results. They're looking for something right now and they, they don't like the just being in the Word and soaking in the Word and letting it root on the inside of them. And because of that, that determines that you aren't going to have much fruit or big fruit or lasting fruit if you don't have a root to be able to sustain it. I used this last night, this next parable down here about, you know, the mustard seed and it being the greatest tree. And I wanted to be this huge tree and the Lord showed me your roots about that deep. And the first bird land on a branch, the whole thing would fall over. If God gave us the growth, if he gave us the opportunities that we so covet and pray for, most of us don't have a root to sustain it. You know, this friend of mine told a story. I've never personally verified this, but he told a story about a certain type of bamboo that grows over in Asia. And for the first four years, four years, this bamboo produces a shoot like that. For four years, that's all you see. And in the fourth year, the thing grows 18 to 20 feet in one year. And everybody wants this kind of growth. But what you don't realize is that thing was growing the whole time, but it was just below the surface. And, be, and the reason it could grow 18 to 20 feet in one year is because of the root system that it established. I sat down and figured out that if you figure a growing season to be six months, it may be different, you know, in Asia in a different climate. But if the growing season was six months and if it grows 18 or 20 feet in one year, I actually sat down and figured out that thing grew nearly a quarter of an inch a day. You could nearly see it grow. Everybody would love that kind of growth, but nobody wants this kind of time to get rooted. You know, it's kind of a coincidence that it took three years to get rooted and we just happened to have a three-year Bible college, amen. <laughs> But you could come and spend three years getting your roots put down and then who knows what could happen after that. But I'm telling you, most people want it. Well, I hadn't got time for that. I, I've got to get out and get with it right now. But if you don't have the root, even if some, by some chance 
you found God's will for your life and started trying to fulfill it, you wouldn't have the character, the strength to sustain the growth. It would kill you. It would kill you. You know, most of you see the good things that happen and I only share mainly the good things. I don't tell you all the bad things, but there's a lot of bad things that happen in ministry. There's things that, you know, if you, if you just want an easy vocation, I tell people all the time, if you can do something else, do it. Don't preach unless that's all that you can do. And people misunderstand what I'm saying. I think that this is the greatest calling in the world. I wouldn't humble myself to become a president of the United States. This is better. I love it. But there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of things. There's an easier way to make a living. I'm telling you. It, and if I didn't have the root and the experience and the relationship with God that I've developed over 46 years, I guarantee you I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. Most of you don't really appreciate that. I tell our students all the time, Tim Ruthner is over here, and I was, I was telling Tim, I think I told Tim this, but he graduated, when did you graduate, Tim? 98. 98, he was one of the early ones. And he's gone out and pastored and done things. And I tell our students all the time, I said, you know what, if you would go out and try this for 10 years and then come back to school, you'd appreciate what I'm saying a lot more. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that true, Tim? And I guarantee you, some of you just don't fully appreciate this, but if you were to go out and if somehow you found God's will for your life and went out and tried to fulfill it and do all of these things with the current root system that you have, you would be hard pressed. You would find out that, man, it could kill you or you could wind up damaging the other people and all kinds of things. I'm telling you, it... There's just no way around it. The Word of God, it takes a while for the Word to get rooted in this second type of person. I've got a lot more. I'm out of time right now, but I've got a lot more I'm going to share on this tonight. And this, this changed my life when I saw these things. But this is just absolutely essential, is the root system. Preparation time is never wasted time. The time that you spend getting revelation of the Word of God is going to be the most important sustaining thing that you ever get in your life. And sadly, most people are more concerned about the fruit. Forget the fruit. Get into the Word. Put God's Word first place. And if you'll do that, I guarantee you, fruit is the byproduct. It's not the goal. The goal is knowing God. And we know Him through His Word. By these exceeding great and precious promises, this is what was given to us so that we can know Him and become a partaker of the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. And so this is the goal, is knowing God through His Word, having the Word revealed, get the life of God flowing in you. And if you do that, you would have to backslide on God to keep from bearing fruit. You'll never have to pray, oh God, use me. Oh God, make me fruitful. Oh God, help me to reach somebody. Help me to attain these goals. You just get to where you know God and take the seed and put it in your heart. And I guarantee you, it will do everything else that you need. It will make you thoroughly furnished, perfect unto all good works. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17. It'll work. Amen. So I really want to encourage you again how important the Word of God is in your life. And praise God, you need to get to where you don't have to quote me or anybody else. You can say, God told me. You do that, 
man, you're going to be stronger than horseradish. You're going to see awesome, awesome things happen. All right. God bless you. You're dis- All right, I'll turn it back over to Gary. Amen. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.